0: Over the wall podcast, week two NFL season, so much to happen this weekend, we're going to cover it all, we're going to go over the big Drew Brees injury, what's the outlook with the Saints, we're going to do a top 10, we're going to do where I was right, where I was wrong, we're also going to do the winners, the losers of the weekend, and a one big takeaway, so we're going to cover a lot of stuff right here, let's go. So the Saints were taking on the Rams this Sunday in a rematch at the NFC Championship, everybody's really, really hyped up for this one, I know I was for sure. I like the Saints' chances going into this one, Um, but, man, what a bummer. So, midway through the first quarter, Drew goes down with an injury, and so you're thinking it doesn't seem like, you know, it's not like a leg or or something like that where he's hobbling around or getting carted off the field. It's a hand injury. Didn't look to be too serious when you look at the replays, but he wasn't throwing the ball. He was just standing around, and they showed the picture of him trying to go pick up the football on the sidelines, and it looked like somebody damn near shot his hand. Um, so at that point, you knew it wasn't good, and you know, you'd know you heard reports. The outlook, in my opinion, was, was going to be he could have been out for the season. And yeah, everybody panics, right? So Monday morning, you get the news, he's out six weeks. Now, I'm going to take a turn right here. Everybody was you know losing their minds. The season's over, but here's the deal. I mean, did you think he was just going to come back? I mean, did you think that he would have went to the hand specialist Monday and be like, hey, nothing to see here. You couldn't pick up the football. looked like your hand was on fire the other day, but you're completely fine. Go play Sunday. No. Okay. So I knew there was going to be some issue. And to me, when I got the news in six weeks, I was jacked up about it. And here's why you got two games right here coming up, Seattle and Dallas. Now, that's really, really tough. Those are two really good football teams. Seattle on the road, one of the toughest places to play in the league. Doesn't look too good there. And then you get Dallas at home, and Dallas is rolling right now. That is a really good football team. But, but here's the bright side. The next four games are super, super manageable. You get Tampa at home. Tampa's not a very good team. Jameis Winston as your quarterback, that, that's not great. You also get Jacksonville on the road. Jacksonville's quarterback is Gardner Minshew. They are not a good football team. It's starting to just tear apart over there. Jalen Rams just asked for a trade. So you, they're, they're, they're going in the tank. Then I believe you get the Bears. Look, the Bears are a good football team defensively. Mitch Trubisky is having issues offensively. So at Soldier Field, yeah, it could be tough. But that, that's a winnable game. And then, then you finish up with the Cardinals at home. Man, you know, Kyler Murray is explosive, but that is a bad football team. So you're talking about four teams who, in my opinion, are not playoff teams coming up. So that is manageable. And then you get a bye week, right, after that six-week period where they said Drew could play. A bye week on top of that, and then here we go. Now we're ready to roll. So all you're hoping for right here is maybe a 3-3 three and three. With Teddy Bridgewater, which I think is manageable, and I'm going to get to Teddy Bridgewater on that. Teddy Bridgewater, he didn't look great, but there is a difference. Okay, When you are going into a game and you are the backup quarterback, he wasn't you know, practicing as if he was going to get first-team reps. Now he is. Now he knows he's the guy, so he's going to be ready to roll. So, I'm pretty confident that he's going to have a better showing than, than Sunday. They didn't pay him the money they paid him for him to be a garbage backup quarterback. I mean, they, especially Sean Payton, he is super high on him if he wanted to make that move. He believes in him. So, therefore, he's going to give him the playbook, in my opinion, and not kind of like handcuff him. Here's where you make your money. Sean Payton is one of the best offensive minds in the NFL and in NFL history in that, in that regard. He's going to scheme things up for the Saints to move the football. It's not just going to be stagnant. It's not. And so I feel confident about that. When you look back, it was 2015, the one game Drew missed. It was middle of the season, and they played the Carolina Panthers. On the road, Carolina won the NFC Championship. They were the team that year. Okay, Luke McCown came in, and Luke McCown's not some stud quarterback. I mean, he essentially had a job because Drew Brees, he was one of Drew Brees' friends. And he liked to do film study for Drew. So not talented against a really good Carolina Panthers team and a really good defense. He went 31 for 38, and I think he threw for like 300 yards. And they almost won the game. And this was not a good Saints team. So that tells you something. I think Teddy Bridgewater would be better than Luke McCown, in my opinion. And he put up really good stats that game. And he looked good, and he was one pass away where Josh Norman intercepted a pass in the end zone late in the game, where the Saints could have won the game. And, I mean, that, was a, that wasn't a bad pass. So that's why I feel confident. Another positive outlook when we look at the Drew injury is Drew is 40 years old, and you see that that arm strength isn't what it used to be. It's just not. That's what happens when you're 40. And he's not a big guy, 5'11", foot. Look, at the end of the year, you you could tell when you hit that Dallas game, week thirteen, he wasn't the same guy. He was starting to wear down. If Teddy Bridgewater can get us to three and three these next six games, which I think he can, you give Drew basically seven weeks of and I and I know it's an injury, but it's not a foot, it's not a leg, he'll have time to recover. You know, that body won't be taking a beating. He could be fresher when you hit that stretch run. So that's, a, that's also a positive outlook and the way I see it. So it's not all bad. The Saints roster is still really, really good. And if you watch that game on Sunday, that defense was was legit. I mean, but you can only be on the field for so long if your offense isn't helping you out. But you got playmakers, right? you got playmakers on offense. you got playmakers on defense. And just be that. I mean, that, that call, the Cam Jordan touchdown, yeah, it was a bad call. And it could have helped the outlook of the game, you know. So you were in the game if you get that call with one of the best teams in football. And also, a defensive front who dominated your offensive line. You're not going to get that against Seattle. You're not going to get that a lot of times in the NFL. I mean, the Rams are a really good defensive front. So look for the Saints to really bounce back. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to win these next two games. If they can split these next two. You are ecstatic because in the next four, like I said, are manageable. So I'm very optimistic on the outlook. And let me just touch on one more thing that annoys the hell out of me with the call with the Cam Jordan thing. Obviously, terrible call. They are botching calls left and right, but I'm a true believer that you're going to get that break that goes your way. This is not a conspiracy against the New Orleans Saints. In the NFL and Roger Goodell. It's just not... I hate that. That's how you know somebody is, is a true... <laughs> it, it shows you somebody's intelligence when they believe in conspiracies. There is no conspiracy. It's just terrible calls. They should not have blown the whistle right there. But I truly believe all of this, right? Now, you can call this weird or not, but... The Minnesota Miracle, the no call in the NFC Championship, the bad call against the Texans, and then this call Sunday... I don't know. I just feel like the Saints, this is a good storyline. They'll bounce back from these, these blown calls, these bad situations that happened to them, and they'll persevere, I mean, which has been the story of New Orleans, right? The whole time, you bounce back from Hurricane Katrina, you win in '09. 9 Drew Brees bounces back from an injury in, what, 5 Look, this could be a great storyline heading to the end of the season. So, Saints fans, let's be optimistic. So I'm going to give you some situations in the NFL, players, teams, where I was right about. So let's start off with Cam Newton. Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers, which I said early on, were going to be a 6-10 and team. Ron Rivera was out the door at the end of the year, and I still hold true to that. If you watch them Thursday night at home against a, I guess an average Tampa team and a bad quarterback of Jameis Winston, and you lose... That is a must-win game at home, prime time. You have to win the game. Cam Newton is so inefficient. Like I said, the mechanics are terrible. He can't hit open three-yard screen passes. This is bad, and like I said, on defense, they're starting to become stale. These are older guys. And just Cam Newton, as you're getting older, and I'm going to continue to say is you have to evolve. You have to have a different different pitch besides your 95 mile fastball. There has to be something there. You know, a guy like Cam is such a superior athlete that he's always relied on that. Even that MVP year, he was relying on that athleticism. But when you get older, that starts to deteriorate. You have to be able to pivot. That's why Tom Brady, Drew Brees, these guys are still playing at that level because they're not superior athletes. They've had to just sit in that pocket throw dimes, and that's, 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 that's the NFL. So if you're a Cam and a Lamar Jackson, I've always said, how long can that last? And for Cam Newton, it's not lasting long right now. He's 30, he's dealt with injuries, and, and, and a must-win game, in my opinion, on Thursday night, they laid an egg. Then you have Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is, uh, <laughs> I mean, he's just not a very good quarterback, and he has fooled so many people. And I'm going to tell you exactly why he's fooled people. It's because he played in the perfect situation. If you play fantasy football, this is the perfect situation. The Washington Redskins were right in the middle, probably a little below as far as your 32 teams. I'd say where they were like, what, a 17, 18, 19, 20 overall team. So they were good enough to put up some points, but their defense would allow points. So they were always trailing, and so what happens is, as your quarterback is trailing, he's just putting up stats, putting up stats, putting up stats, and that's what he did, Kirk Cousins, but he was never winning them games, okay? There was a reason Washington never wanted to pay the guy, because they knew you can't win championships with this guy, he's just a stat compiler, and that's what he is. Now he plays in Minnesota, now the show's on him, he got all the money, And he's got a defensive-minded head coach, which is a topic I've always talked about. What's he doing? I mean, the the first game of the season, I think he threw 10 times. They basically told you, guess what, guys? This guy is not very good. (laughs) We're going to throw 10 times so he can't lose us the game. I mean, if anybody watched that game on Sunday, he was horrendous. Throwing just the worst interceptions I've ever seen. Look. If you're Minnesota, you realize like this guy is not the guy. You paid a lot of money to him. I think you got one more year left in the deal. Suck it up, I guess. And, you know, but like I said, the reality is hitting you. He's not the guy, and this is not a, a playoff team with Kirk Cousins. It's just not. So another right I'm about is Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle Shanahan. First week looked a little shaky against Tampa. But this week against Cincinnati, man, they look good and just the play calling was really good by Shanahan. Jimmy Garoppolo looked good. Like I said, when you're dealing with desperate football players, desperate teams, and that's what they are, don't don't get it twisted. Kyle Shanahan's a great coach, but he is desperate because at the past two years, they've laid an egg because the quarterback situation has been really, really bad. Jimmy Garoppolo is desperate to stay on the field, stay healthy, and prove to everybody, look, I'm worth the contract. I'm worth the money. So they're desperate, and you're going to see – Really good outcomes with the San Francisco 49ers, at least in my opinion. I'm also right on the, I was about to say San Diego Chargers, but the L.A. Chargers. This is just not a step-up organization. They're not. Phillip Rivers is not a step-up quarterback. I think he is one of the most overrated quarterbacks in NFL history. I mean, they only put up like 10 points against Detroit. I'm just, I'm not a a Chargers fan. I know everybody loves it. I think maybe it's a good storyline. They like the jerseys. I don't know. But this is a team that will not compete for the division title. Best case scenario, wild card, and then an early exit in the playoffs. This is not a step-up organization. You just lost to Detroit. Detroit's not a very good football team. And last but not least would be the Tennessee Titans. Everybody gets all jacked up about, yes, they're back. They're going to compete this year because they beat the Browns by 30. But then they come back this week, and they lose to a uh, Jacoby Bursett led Colts team. You know, look, Mariota's not the guy. I, you know this. He's he can't he, he can't elevate teammates and he's just not good enough. I think Vrabel's a good coach. I think they have a okay roster. But this is just a stale organization. I mean, there's just nothing to them. They're not exciting. And with Mariota at quarterback, where are you going? Once again I like Vrabel but this is a team that is a 7-9, 8-8 eight eight team. You're in, you're in NFL purgatory, as I like to say, because you like to be really good or you like to be really bad. See, if the Titans were really bad, they could possibly draft, what, top five, and then you can get a quarterback. Get a quarterback, whoever it may be, but you can kind of give yourself hope, right? We have hope. But if you're 8-8, eight and eight, you can draft 16th, you're not going to get a top quarterback, and what's your hope? You can't hope anymore that Marcus Mariota's still going to turn it around. He's not. It's over. He's not. That, he is what he is. So, you know, I was right about the Tennessee Titans, and uh, you know, basically it kind of sucks to be a Titans fan. So my wrongs. Let's start off with Dak Prescott. I was not a big Dak Prescott guy going into the year, nor have I ever been. I think he's a good quarterback, but I think he's a great leader. I've always said that. I think he's a great leader for your organization. Very stable. But man, he has played really well. I'll give you this one caveat. They haven't played very good teams. Now, I think the Redskins are a good defensive team, but I don't think they're a great team. The Giants, obviously, they're dog hurl. But, man, he has looked really, really good. Now, I'll give you this. I love Kellen Moore and what he's doing. I love their staff. I will say this about the Cowboys. I think everybody tries to make them like a stock because of Jerry Jones. They look at him as like a comic figure. But they have done an amazing job of building a staff and drafting. That roster is amazing. Like If you look at it, there's really no deficiencies. They have hit on so many draft picks. It's stupid. And look, Dak Prescott's killing it right now. Once again, schedule, schedule, schedule. They're getting Miami at home. Miami has lost by like 200 points the past two weeks at, at their place in Miami. Geez. What's going to happen when they go on the road? <laughs> I mean, it's going to be ugly. So Dax is going to have another week of putting up great numbers. Then you think about it, they get New Orleans. Well, if Drew Brees was at the helm, it might be something, you know, like, to, to worry about there. But he's not. You'll have Teddy Bridgewater. That's another week. They'll probably get another win. 4-0 start. And that contract for Dax going to be looking really, really good. Then we have the A-B and the Pat situation. If you can remember, uh, I said it was going to take a time to click, right? Especially because when I look back at that Chad Ochocinco situation, man, it never clicked, okay? Everybody talks about it being a very tough offense to, to catch on to. But, man, first game, I mean, he caught four balls right away, caught a touchdown pass. It looked like he was in sync. It looked like they were really, really trying to get him integrated to that offense. So I was wrong on that. I mean, I think it's going to it's, it looks like it's going to click a lot sooner. And so it would be interesting to see. Um, the Texans, I love the Texans going into the year, I said they could compete for that second uh, second bye, probably the Patriots won Texans two as far as your playoff seedings but man they, they lose to the Saints, and I'll give you this Saints, with Drew Brees, are a good football team, and they lost in the last seconds I'm fine with that but this week, they almost lost to a Gardner Minshew-led Jaguars team, Jaguars first off with Nick Foles aren't good now with your, your Rookie quarterback, they're not good at all, and you, you basically almost lost. Leonard Fournette was an inch away from you losing that game. Time for the Texans to step up. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. They're very hot. They're very cold. So I was wrong on them. And, and once again, there's 14 weeks left, so I mean they could very well turn it around. I don't think their division's great, but as of right now, just not looking very good. Then you know Carson Wentz. I watched him on Sunday. Carson Wentz to me is too much sizzle. You know, it, it, it's too much. I'm trying to make the big play, and I believe the game is about efficiency. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and these guys, it's not let's throw the ball, you know, 60 yards out there. We're trying to get the big play. It's just, look, slice and dice you, and let's just methodically get the ball down the field. He's a little inefficient at times, and he's relying on his athletic ability, which he's a freak athlete, big guy. He needs to just bring it down and stay within the offense. Do you want to know why it worked with Nick Foles? Because he stayed within the offense with the Eagles. Doug Peterson is a great play caller. He's a great offensive mind. If you trust it, you can have success. And I think that's his problem. He's a guy who his whole life has been the bigger guy with a big arm, the great athletic ability, and he's trying to make these these sizzle plays. When in fact, man, just take, take your short passes and just methodically work the ball downfield and stay within the framework of the offense. And I think that's the problem with Carson Wentz. And until he learns that, I think they're, they're going to be just like him, hot and cold. Like a 10-6, 11-5 type team, which I think they could be a 13-3 type team. So I was wrong with that. And then finally, like I said, two games, but I was wrong about Josh Allen and the Bills. I didn't think Josh Allen was going to be very efficient. I wasn't a fan of his. But, man, they've been really, really good. Once again, they've beaten bad teams. Okay, I get it. But he's looked really good. And a good stat right here is they have been 5 of 5 winning the red zone on scoring touchdowns. So every time they won the red zone, 20 or in, they're scoring a touchdown. They've been 5 times, they've scored 5 touchdowns. That is super, super impressive. And their coaching staff just looks, you know, Really solid, and this is a really solid team. Now, don't look for them to win a the division. Obviously, they're with New England. That, that's just not going to happen. But I like what I'm seeing from Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Three winners of the week. Let's start off with the Giants. You're probably thinking, well, how are they winners? They look like crap. They're 0-2. But they finally came to their senses, and now they have benched Eli Manning, which this has been a long time coming. But they've been terrified to do it because they're terrified of the backlash they're going to get from the old school and old minded uh, Giants fans in New York. Look, Eli has been shot for the past four to five years, okay? So you draft Daniel Jones, sixth overall, which I think you reached on him, but we'll see. So now you're gonna go with it. Look, more power to you, they're the winners. Because look at it like this. Let's say they beat Buffalo, whatever. They just drag you along, okay, well we'll start Eli. Look. You went off an 0-2 start. You look terrible. It's the perfect situation now to put Daniel Jones in there. Now, it's a bad situation because I don't think he's playing for a good team. So, not the best situation for Daniel Jones. But I'm going to be very, very curious to see how well he can do. So, they're the winners for me. And you have the Bears. The Bears went to Denver, which is a very, very tough place to play in September. I mean, if you look back... Um, you know records show that they are amazing in September in denver i, I don 't know maybe it 's the altitude early on in the season. players aren't used to it, but denver they crush it in September, and the Bears were in there and they saved their season with a win in Denver. Mitch basically looked like looked like crap um and not a very good quarterback, but he made a play one play to win the game for him and Eddie Panero hit a fifty three yard field goal so they save their season right there, especially in the division that's going to be pretty tight. you got Green Bay looking good. Detroit team, they're going to win a game here, win a game there, but they're not a terrible team. I've already kind of touched on Minnesota, but Minnesota's not a terrible team. They'll win some games. They'll compete. So that's going to be a tough division, so you have to keep pace. If you go 0-2, I mean, that, you're, that's a death sentence. You're done. And so my third, third winner of the week is going to be Atlanta. The Falcons look Terrible week one against an average Minnesota team. I mean, they got the brakes beaten off of them. So they get at home. time against an Eagles team who's really good. It is a must win, right? You do not want to start 0-2. And they go and they win it. They have a big play from Matt Ryan, Julio Jones late. And they beat a Carson Wentz-led Eagles team, which is a game they had to win. Especially, like I said, coming off that, that game against Minnesota, they look terrible. So... Big win for them, and once again, a theme with those past two teams is when you start 0-2. That's a death sentence most of the time. But they saved their season. Those are good football teams okay? who had positive outlooks going into the season, and they saved their season on Sunday. Biggest losers of the weekend. Let's start off in Pittsburgh. Not only did the Steelers get off to an 0-2 start, but now they've lost Big Ben for the year. First off, the, the showing against New England was absolutely embarrassing. And they drop a tough one this Sunday against the Seahawks. So the season's done. It's over. Try to talk yourself into the Mason Rudolph all you want. But I just don't see that happening for them. If they were maybe 2-0, and maybe you could talk yourself into it. But 0-2 is a big hole to climb out of with an unproven backup quarterback. So just not good news for them. And even a bigger picture, let's look at Big Ben. Let's examine his situation. So essentially, he's going to have elbow surgery. How does he come back from that? I think he's like 37 years old. And this is not like a Tom Brady, um, and I always reference the the Brady and and Drew Brees thing. Just because they've taken such good care of themselves, that way they can play at the age 40, is because they've devoted their lifestyle to their craft. Has Ben Roethlisberger done that? I, I don't see him as a guy who does that. I don't see him as this aggressively hard worker, change my lifestyle to be successful in the NFL. I just don't see that happening. So that's going to be interesting to see. And another interesting part of it is they've just traded away their first-round pick to get Minka Fitzpatrick from the Dolphins. So that's that's another interesting part to me. Because I, let's say Mason Rudolph is their quarterback, and if it goes the way I think it will, they're a 4-12 and team. Well, they're going to get a top pick. That could be a quarterback of the future pick right there. But they've they've kind of bounced on that idea. And they've gone Fitzpatrick right there. So definitely interesting, but they're a loser to me this weekend without Big Ben. Then you got to go to Miami. I mean, wow, what's even going on down there? I've never seen anything like this. So, I don't see them winning a game this year. Not only that, but this is probably the worst NFL team I've ever seen in my life. They have gotten outscored by over 100 points the past two games. That's unprecedented. And they've played at home. Now they have Dallas on the road. Man, you you got to feel for Brian Flores here, their new head coach. Because this goes in your resume. I don't care what you say, first impression is key, and he has been dealt a shitty hand. Miami is, because you think of a dysfunctional organization, Browns, Lions, Jets, Miami is right there too. That is a crappy organization, and what they're doing right now is terrible. Punting on the season, and essentially what they call tanking for Tua, I'm not completely sold that he is just the next greatest thing like a John Elway, and maybe he is, I don't know. But this is just terrible. Terrible just for everybody involved with the organization. Once again, h- how does Flores rally the troops? What does he tell the players? I mean, how do you get guys fired up to play on Sundays knowing that this is just a joke? That He's been dealt a very, very tough hand. I really feel bad for him in this situation. And also, you got to feel for some of the guys. I mean, how, how do you compete on Sundays? You're terrible, and you, you still have 14 games left. So once again, they're, they're a huge loser to me. And my third team is the Jets. I'm going to say this again. When you have a head coach, Adam Gase, this is going on your resume. Already, he's been fired from Miami. Now, I think he did a good job, in Miami, and, and like we just covered, that is a terrible organization. So a tough, a tough hand was dealt there. Now you go to another crappy organization in the New York Jets, and now the whole team is falling apart. Your quarterback, Sam Darnold, has mono out for a couple of weeks. So you got to feel for him, too, because he was trending in the right direction. Now, once again, you kind of, like, bumped off your spot. And it's almost like a step back. So you kind of feel for him. And what happened Monday night where Simeon, your backup quarterback, who's been proven a little bit, I and mean, he's won games. Now he's out with a broken ankle. Now you're on your third-string quarterback who was just signed about a week ago. Man, I feel for Gaze. This is a crappy situation. Once again, this is going on your resume. This is just not good for him. The stars are just not aligning for him. And already you have to start tanking on the season because that's just what it looks like to me. So Jets, third biggest loser. So let's do our top 10. At number 10, maybe a little shocker here, I'm going to go Buffalo Bills. And once again, it's very, very early in the season. I know September, you've only played two games. And it's not going to look like this in November, maybe. But I got to go with what we have as of now. And the Buffalo Bills have looked really, really good. They have beaten the Jets and the Giants, both on the road. And they've looked really good. Really strong coaching staff. Josh Allen is looking like he's kind of turned the corner here. So, so they look pretty sharp. Then I have the San Francisco 49ers at number nine. We've talked about it. Desperate football team. Desperate coach. Desperate quarterback. They've really turned a corner. That first game was sloppy, but they really look good against Cincinnati. Now, once again, these are two bad football teams. They beat in the Bucks and the Bengals, but I have them at nine. Then at number eight, I got Seattle. Now I have them higher than the Niners one spot, just because I trust Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. They've done it for a longer period of time. So them at number eight. At seven, I'm gonna go with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> once again, it's a big story of mine. Who have they played? Miami and Arizona. Two terrible football teams, but they did what they had to do. And they had a really good win on Sunday. Fought through some adversity. Lamar's looking really good as of late. But this big contest Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs, I can't wait to watch that. So Baltimore at 7. At 6, even though they lost, I still love their roster. I still love their quarterback, and I love their head coach. They're great at every aspect of the game. Even at GM ownership, they're great Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, they dropped a tough one in Atlanta, but it came down to the wire. They didn't get the doors blown off of them. They're going to be fine, so I have them at six. At five, I got Green Bay. Green Bay is interesting to me because they ha- they have the recipe to keep getting better. They remind me of, of what the Saints were a couple years back. They're starting off slow offensively, but defensively, which has always been their Achilles heel, they, they've been really, really good defensively. And... Rogers that the first couple games he has not looked good. He they went not have to hot start in that first quarter against the Vikings, but they didn't do anything after that. But here's my take on that. You're not just gonna keep him handcuffed the whole year. You know, he is going to get hot. They're gonna catch a rhythm, him in the floor. It's just gonna take a little time. But if that defense stays where it's at, that is a dangerous football team. And number four, the Rams. I think some people kind of sleeping on the Rams because they've been really good the past two years. And we always look for stories, and they're not an an exciting story anymore, maybe. The Sean McVay luster is kind of, we're not as excited about it anymore. But that is a really good football team with a really good coach, a really good defensive coordinator. Say what you want. Goff is a really good quarterback, and their roster is just really strong. And what they're strong is that people don't realize they're strong on both offensive and defensive fronts, whereas you have to be strong right there. So I really like them a lot. Think some people may be sleeping on them. So, I have them at four. At number three, I have Dallas. Dallas has looked amazing, right? So, they haven't beaten great teams, but once again, they've done what they had to do. And I love Kellen Moore on the offensive side of the ball. He is doing wonders with Dak Prescott and try to find me a weakness on that football team. They are so strong, and I really, really like them. So they got Miami coming up. They'll be 3-0. and They got a Drew brees Saints in week four. <laughs> You're looking at a 4-0 start right there. So, Things are looking good for the Dallas Cowboys. The number two, I got the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, Andy Reid, Mahomes. What else can you say about that? They're they're just putting up crazy numbers already. They have Baltimore Sunday. Like I said before, I can't wait to watch that game. And Mahomes, man, he's on track to win another MVP. And Andy Reid, man, what he is the most underrated coach in football, maybe in NFL history. I don't care if he hasn't won a Super Bowl. It's not his fault that the d Ford lined up off sides last year. They would have been in the Super Bowl and could have very well, very well won it. So I got Kansas City at two. At number one, come on, man, New England Patriots, Bill Belichick, Brady. What more do you have to say about it? They look better than they have in a long time. I mean, they really, really do. They are strong on all fronts. You know, you could have said, well, maybe receivers are weakness. Well, <laughs> we're just going to sign Antonio Brown, the best receiver in the game. Josh Gordon's coming around. Julian Edelman. Man, they are strong. They are really, really good. I would be shocked if they don't make it to the Super Bowl. Because even though I love Kansas City, they they couldn't beat them last year. What makes you think they're beating them this year? I think New England's better. I just do. And so I love the Patriots. So Patriots are my number one team right now. Big takeaway from the weekend is this. And I'm I'm, going to pose this as a question. And I don't know the answer to it. So... Has the quarterback position become too important or too valuable to football teams okay and I say this because look at the Steelers, look at the saints, and to a certain extent, look at the Jets and the Jags, so Steelers lost their quarterback death sentence. Does anybody in Pittsburgh or in the n f l think that they have a chance to win the Super Bowl? Hell no, Saints out six weeks, I live in Louisiana. people are you know miserable over it. Me personally, I'm a huge Saints fan. So when he when Breeze went out, I didn't even watch the game. It became so boring to me and so dull with Bridgewater. Not his fault. Give him time to prepare. But the reality is, you know they had no shot to win that game. I stopped watching. Jaguars, anything even have a shot when they fold, anyways. And the Jets, when Darnold was out with mono, and it was announced, there were people in the media after Week One saying that it was over, the season's done. It's not, it, and so. My point is, has it gotten skewed too much, right? I do love offensive football. I do. I'm not one of these numbskulls who is like bang people, crush skulls out there. I'm not like that. I love the game offensively. But has it skewed too much to where you're so reliant on one person? Think about it. The Saints are loaded. I love them in every aspect of their roster. But you lose one guy, the quarterback, even at age 40, and you're like, they're done. Stick a fork in them. Has it skewed too much? And that's something that's, that's that's becoming interesting to me. And how would you skew it back the other way? I don't know. That that's that's something that maybe the NFL has to see because now you have teams that are just it's it's essentially their season's done after week two because they don't have their quarterback. You know, you could bring up well, what about Nick Foles when he won the Super Bowl? Nick Foles was garbage. For three games. But the Philadelphia Eagles with Carson Wentz had put themselves in a great spot. They were the number one seed. They All they had to do is win two games to get to the Super Bowl. They won the first one against Atlanta in the divisional round. And Nick Foles was terrible. So all Nick Foles did was play two good games and he won the Super Bowl. That was all they asked for him. And Nick Foles is a top 20 quarterback. But he's not a bottom tier guy. So that's your only case right there where... You could say, well, it's not skewed because, look, the backup quarterback was able to win. But in all reality, Mason Rudolph, I don't think he's going to get it done. Teddy Bridgewater isn't going to light the world on fire. Gardner Minshew is not going to, to win MVP and get the Jags over the hump. And whoever the hell the quarterback is in New York, they're not going to do it either. So, so once again, I do feel like it has been skewed a little bit. And, and that's something maybe the NFL would have to, to look at to improve the product.